oftentimes in education, we can, we can tend to get siloed, um, in particular with our safety programming. And when we think about frameworks that engage other members of the community, they are actively creating partnerships between police bodies as well as psychologists and psychiatrists so that we can have a collective approach uh, for doing what's best for students in the given situations. Hello and welcome to Progress Report, a podcast produced by the National Center for School Safety, the Stop School Violence Program National Training and Technical Assistance Center, funded by the Bureau of Justice Assistance. The center is a project of the University of Michigan School of Public Health. Thank you for tuning in to this series on comprehensive school safety planning. We hope listening helps you recognize the importance of planning, understand the different perspectives on school safety, and discover the connections and how various disciplines approach school safety. In this first episode, we're going to discuss the question, what is school safety? The voice you heard at the beginning of this episode was Dr. Justin Heinze, an expert in educational psychology. The guests you're about to hear from are experts in various fields, such as education and law enforcement. They're going to share what school safety means to them. This will be followed by a conversation with the directors of the National Center for School Safety. Hi, uh, could you please introduce yourself and tell me what school safety means to you? My name is Nicole Hockley, and I'm the co-founder and managing director of Sandy Hook Promise. Uh, Sandy Hook Promise is an organization that I helped launch eight years ago after the shooting at Sandy Hook School in which my youngest son was killed. It's really ensuring that we create that positive, inclusive climate and culture where students don't have to worry about safety and can just focus on learning their academics and learning life skills and peer interaction. We have a responsibility to create that safe environment that they can do that by really focusing on how can we get ahead of any violence or self-harm issues and prevent them from happening in the first place. My name is Danny Krause and I um, work for the National Association of Elementary School Principals. Safe schools, I think, um, is about certainly the sort of um, safe physical space that that students and and staff attend. I think our members really think about in terms of safe and supportive schools. So what are the what are the sort of um, artifacts in a school um, that help um, students and staff sort of you know, feel safe. I, I, I the, the sort of short answer on it, I, I think, is that creating and sustaining, you know, genuinely safe in supportive schools. And I think the, the social and emotional aspect of, of children and sort of how they, how they psychologically feel safe as well. My name is Catherine Schweit, and I'm an attorney and a, I'm a retired FBI agent and executive and an expert in school safety. School safety is, is the students feeling so ready and able to learn because they don't even have to worry about safety. And that's something that I feel like if you talk to students today, none of them would probably say, oh, I never think about safety. I, I think they do because they're bombarded by it in the news and bombarded by their friends and their family. My name is Chris Meldy. Um, I work in the School of Criminal Justice at at Michigan State University. School safety is, uh, is, is really a multidimensional issue. There's certainly physical safety components such as the presence of fights or, or guns on campus, weapons on campus, um, but there's also interpersonal factors. Um, 
that are re what we oftentimes refer to as relational aggression, including things like intimidation, bullying, and conflict that doesn't always rise to the level of physical violence. There's also a perceptual level um, that is pre present among uh, a lot of school stakeholders that includes more amorphous fears or concerns about one's safety. Um, they're not always tied to particular people or situations. Um, really, it's a school's social and physical environment really can, can engender those feelings of safety or concern, um, depending on many elements that have to do with the general school climate that one perceives. So in this way, school safety means not only the lack of physical harm in a school environment, but also a school that feels safe for its stakeholders, including teachers, parents, students, staff, visitors, really anybody um, uh, who's on campus. You just heard from a variety of school safety experts. We'll share those full conversations in later episodes. Now on to my conversation with the directors of the National Center for School Safety, Drs. Justin Heinze and Mark Zimmerman. My name is Justin Heinze. My background is in educational psychology. And over the last 10 years, I've been conducting applied research in the area of youth violence prevention. Part of my research program is to combine my interest in education and safety promotion. So kind of what got me started in this field was the Sandy Hook uh, Elementary School shooting. And from there, I had just begun my career in the School of Public Health. And I was interested in violence, um, but having two young children and seeing so much coverage around the shooting, uh, it prompted me to think about how violence happens in and around schools. And as I am now a parent um, of school-aged children, I think it's obvious how violence can detract away from the educational mission uh, of, of schools across the country. Hi, I'm Mark Zimmerman. I'm a professor in the School of Public Health and Department of Health, Behavioral Health Education. I've been here for 30 plus years and uh, I've been working on youth violence prevention in some way uh, for most of that time. Um, and I, I got interested in uh, school violence because that's where youth spend most of their time. And that's where a, a lot of the uh, tension between students uh, can occur is uh, being insulted in school, being bullied in school, uh, fights that happen after school. And so school violence sort of became a natural outgrowth of the work that I've been doing for a very long time. Uh, when I think about school um, violence and, and school safety, I think sort of broadly, ecologically, and all of the different factors that may go into that. Over 80% of school mass shootings are done by students or former students of that school. That's an astonishing statistic. But let me also say that school shootings, uh, mass shootings anyway, are relatively rare. They make the headlines because they're also uh, extremely uh, upsetting uh, and they're often mass casualties and deaths. And so for me, one of the roles that we can play is to try and create an environment that allows students to actualize as learners and to go to school without fear of being bullied or victimized and really concentrate on um, their learning and really becoming the best young individuals that they can be. Uh, what are some examples of school safety issues or scenarios? It's important to recognize that schools are in an environment where multiple modes of violence can occur. 
So we can't just focus on, for example, victimization or even bullying. We have to understand that other types of violence, other forms of violence, for example, intimate partner violence or even connections to self-directed violence can all happen within a school environment. So from a comprehensive school safety perspective, we need programming that addresses the many forms in which violence can take. And then we can even think about the victims and perpetrators of that violence. So although we might naturally think of students as both the victims of, and some often the perpetrators of that violence, we can also consider other members of the school community, which can include administrators and teachers who can both perpetrate and be victims of violence in and around schools. So again, from a comprehensive perspective, we need broad scope interventions that can treat violence in its many forms and engage the entire school population to get broad buy-in so that we can, be, we can prevent future violence from happening. Uh, when we and when we think about the broad school environment, it's it's also the parents. It's not just who's in the building. It's the par it's parents. Um, it may be um, law enforcement of one kind or another. Uh, something like twenty five uh, states in the United States uh, require uh, school resource officers, um, so they would need to be involved. Um, and there, there might be other parties that, that would might be relevant. Uh, and, and in fact, it might be an opportunity to create schools linking to other parts of the community so that uh, they're not just out there by themselves and you know, we're a school and oh, we're law enforcement, oh, we're a business, but it could be a, a much more integrative approach. I think Mark raises an interesting point. And oftentimes in education, we can, we can tend to get siloed. Um, in particular with our safety programming. And when we think about frameworks that uh, engage other members of the community, so things thinking about threat assessment or crisis interventions, they are actively creating partnerships between uh, police, uh, police bodies as well as uh, psychologists and psychiatrists um, so that we can have a collective approach uh, for doing what's best for students in the given situations. The schools can respond to many emergencies, but not all emergencies. So building those partnerships is important. If we think about the school ecologically, um, it's a system within itself. So all the interactions of what's going on there every, from everybody from the janitor to the principal to the school board, but then there's also, it's, it's located in a community and often schools are a community center. And so we wanna to try to think about ways that it's a resource that see, people see it as a positive place to be. The other thing that's really important is recognizing the signs. And I think that's a, a movement that's happening in school uh, safety altogether, whether it's threat assessment, whether it's anonymous reporting systems, um, whether it's mental health first aids, it's recognizing some of the yellow flags along the way. I mean, rarely, for example, are shootings impulsive. There's usually some kind of plan about it. And that plan suggests that there's other things happening. Like, are they asking when people are mostly in the school? When do the doors close? They start asking questions like, why do you need this question? So that's one thing is sort of recognizing the signs is really, really important, I think. And, and I think there's lots of strategies for that and lots of strategies for reporting that that adults and kids play in recognizing this about, about their friends, about their peers. And it isn't a sort of tattletale, it's sort of to be helpful. It's a way to, um, you know, what's going on here and maybe somebody else should kind of look at this. And the other thing that's I think important is if one person reports it, 
you know, you you think like, oh, that was something little, but a, one little thing for one person, another little thing for another person, and after a while, all these little things build up to be, whoa, there were lots of signs when they've looked at uh, shooting incidents later, especially the mass shootings. They find out all sorts of signs that were not put together in one place, but if they were, it could have been prevented because it would have been so obvious to people. It's kind of like, uh, you know, a puzzle doesn't make sense until you have enough pieces together, but separately they mean nothing. So the whole idea about reporting and noticing the signs and, and, and somebody sort of being in charge to kind of pull those together, which is why it's so important to have so many partners and people involved because they might see this kid being bullied over here. Somebody else might see this kid, you know, starting to give away all the things he cares about. But there's also the disparities about how, what do we do when we find out somebody is in trouble? Because typically the shooting is because of something else going on in their lives. Either they're starting to feel bad about themselves. Maybe the world is helping them feel bad about themselves. Maybe they're experiencing something in home or in the neighborhood. It's, you know, there's always a story around what clicks that moment. And it's again, planful. So what we have to be really careful about is being conscious of our unconscious bias. That um, if we, we need to be uh, equitable in, in what information we receive and, and how that's handled across people, regardless of their gender, regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of anything about them. It's not about their personage, it's about that kid. And, um, and I think that's really important to sort of pay attention to. Mark mentioned reporting systems, and I think those, they're a great example of a couple of trends in school safety that uh, are really encouraging. The first is when you think about reporting systems or mental health first aid, you're flipping the traditional uh, prevention model where you're not just, it's not just top directed. You're actually engaging students in their own safety promotion. So they're working with teachers and administrators uh, to make the environment safer. And from, a, uh, from a public health background, we'd call that kind of empowering youth um, to take ownership over the school community, uh, which I think reflects an additional trend of interdisciplinarity, where we see ideas getting pulled from a lot of different disciplines. So it's criminal justice, it's public health, it's education, it's psychology, all coming together uh, to, to develop these innovative ways that, uh, and approaches that we can use um, in different school environments. Why is it important to take the time to explore and define school safety to understand school safety issues? If I, if I think about safety and why it's so important, uh, I, I get to wear these two hats, uh, coming from education and now coming from the, the safety world. Uh, when I think about theories of education and how students learn, you know, oftentimes you'll think of this pyramid where the, the learning is at the very, very top of, of the pyramid. And there are all these pieces that form the base of a pyramid. And two of the more fundamental pieces of that pyramid are your physiological and psychological safety. So the argument goes, if those, if those needs are not met, then you're never going to be able to build the, the self-efficacy and find the, the belonging and affiliation that you're going to need to really uh, to motivate as a learner uh, and to self-actualize. 
And so focusing on those areas as just a, a, a basis and a, a fundamental requirement for any student anywhere uh, is reason enough to have safety as a top priority when you're considering how to approach your school year. And at the same time, schools can get a bad rap. Um, I think when you have this salient events like school shootings or when you see statistics um, that uh, publicize the number of victimizations, it can make schools feel very unsafe. But relatively speaking, schools are safe places, among the safest places for youth to be. Our challenge is, is to take that, those, those incidents that can occur and do occur um, and work with school administrators, students, and, and teachers to reduce that number to as close to zero as we can possibly get. One of the things I think we want to think about is, and, and I've said it before, this idea of social-emotional learning, but that education isn't just about learning how to read and write and do arithmetic, right? Um, it's, it's about how to work with people. It's about how to control one's emotions. It's about how to think analytically. And so really what we want to do, school safety to me, is thinking about how do we create a next generation of empathetic, thoughtful, critical thinking, compassionate human beings. If we have that, then, then we'll notice the signs, then we'll care about each other in different ways. We'll understand people's different perspectives. We'll know that when that, act, when that kid is acting out in a certain way, maybe it's because something else is going on, nothing wrong with the kid. Um, the other thing that we haven't really talked about is uh, kids spend a lot of time going to and from school. And even if they're in a bus, and I was in a bus, and I, I remember going to school, um, and you know, there would be fights that would break out on the bus. Um, you know, so, you know, the bus driver wasn't just driving kids to and from, the bus driver was also, you know, needing to control this, this context, but also the kids who walk to school and creating the safe places. So when we think about school safety, it's also thinking about safe communities. And uh, so again, it's that, that ecological thinking about how uh, the school is really part of a larger system of creating future citizens but also located in a place where current citizens are operating. One thing I, I want uh, listeners to remember as, as you're moving through this podcast is, is the violence that you can't see. I think you close your eyes and you think about school safety and school violence. Uh, you think of maybe bullying, you think of our school shootings, uh, but we don't remember those students that suffering silence. And that could be because they are suffering from depression or anxiety or that they've been psychologically bullied either online or in person because of their sexuality, because of their race. And to make sure that our programming and the efforts that we are, are engaging in consider that violence that we can't see. Think ecologically, um, think about the school and the school, uh, the, the whole building and all the people in it, but then also the community where it is located. Um, uh, I would think, think multi-sectorally which means uh, thinking about people from uh, different backgrounds and different organizations um, uh, to play a role. Uh, I would suggest thinking about uh, the whole kid, meaning that thinking about not just what's going on with the kid, but what's going on at home. What is the kid experiencing in the classroom, in between the classrooms, to and from school, and thinking about um, how what comes into the 
school is often what's been outside, whether it's uh, in their neighborhood or in the household or wherever. Uh, and so really the, the bottom line is think ecological, be ecological. Thanks again for listening to this first episode in our comprehensive school safety planning series. In future episodes, you'll hear more conversations with the experts you heard a little bit from today, as well as others working on school safety issues. For more information about the National Center for School Safety, visit our website at nc2s.org or check us out on Twitter and Facebook. This episode of Progress Report was produced by the National Center for School Safety at the University of Michigan School of Public Health. Additional resources and information can be found in the show notes, and music is thanks to Mackay Beats. This project was supported by Cooperative Agreement Number 2019-YS-BX-K001, awarded by the Bureau of Justice Assistance. The Bureau of Justice Assistance is a component of the U.S. Department of Justice's Office of Justice Programs, which also includes the Bureau of Justice Statistics, the National Institute of Justice, the Office of Juvenile Justice and Delinquency Prevention, the Office for Victims of Crime, and the Office of Sex Offender Sentencing, Monitoring, Apprehending, Registering, and Tracking. Points of view or opinions in this document are those of the author and do not necessarily represent the official position or policies of the U.S. Department of Justice.